I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I'm Lucas Mack, and thank you for joining me today. This is a great podcast. I had Dolores Gill come on. I met Dolores um, through a consulting firm that we both work at, and immediately we felt soul connected. She is incredibly wise, divine being, and she brings her beautiful perspective. And we talk about humanity. We talk about where we are in consciousness and her perspective. I think we all need to hear right now. It's fantastic, very powerful. And she's also um, working on her PhD and the perspective she shares at the end of what her PhD is on is for all of us to know. So my dear brother and sister, thank you for joining. And Dolores, thank you for this great conversation. Well, everyone, like I said, I'm so thankful to have my friend, on Dolores Gill, who has been a massive blessing in my life since we met from day one just recently. So Dolores, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Super excited to be here. I, I'm excited too. The uh, Gosh, since we met, it's probably been a few months ago now, mm-hmm. energetically in the world. And then in my <laughs> life, like so many things are going on and you have such a beautiful intuitive knowing and so i would love to just hear and have you share your story of you know where you grew up and how did you first or when did you first hear that knowingness inside yourself that knowingness yeah boy i tell you um lucas and everyone out there life is a funny thing (laughs) and we have consciousness when we're born but no one ever acknowledges it around us. So as children, we are kind of given the message that you don't know anything. Mm. And what I think earthly people are saying is, you don't know anything in this lifetime at this given time because you've just come out of the womb. But we don't acknowledge that even what science has proven, there's DNA in us, that DNA carries a lot of knowledge. And we don't acknowledge that, Mm. right? And so for me as a child, I knew some of the things on the other side, but I didn't know what they were, what they meant. Mm. And kind of just going through life and then reading this, what I call a cathartic book at 12 years old, the book called The Boy from Lhasa. And it kind of embedded some very funny thoughts in my head. And I thought, wow, so people can just get out of their body and travel somewhere. So I started practicing that. I mean, nobody knew, but I was trying it out. Um, I used to hear voices. Um, I think I told you I started running because I felt like there was a presence around me. And so between our house to the gate, you know, I could be exaggerating, maybe quarter mile-ish, one eighth of a mile, but I would sprint at night Mm. because it was dark. I couldn't see anything. Our gate was way down there and I'd sprint back. and, And then over the years, I became a runner. And I think... What we have to remember is the human story is not a straight line. Mm, That's right. Right? 
Yeah. It takes a lot of right turns, left turns, backward turns, you know, put your car in reverse because <laughs> you've got to look over and get somewhere back so you can go forward. Yeah. Right. And I believe that wisdom and Buddhism has helped me to really see my life mm. like on paper. Mm. And so over the last 20 years, I've started to journey more mindfully. And I think before that, probably like everybody else, we just journey. Yeah, right. Not mindfully, just going with it. Yeah. And so you and I talked a little bit about, and I want to talk to everybody about, is the balance sheet of your life. Mm. And I feel that it's an important topic unwritten by any white guy, black guy, Asian guy, women, whatever, because we, 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 we have this weird dance that we do. We, we want to use certain terms around money and the corporate world, and then we don't want to use them in somewhere else, right? But balance simply means there's a left and a right. Mm. If you draw a line in the middle, there's some yeses and then there's noes, right? And I think that if we all begin to look at our life as a balance sheet, mm. that we won't be able to look at completely until the moment before we die. But somewhere along the way, the pluses are adding up and the minuses are adding up. Mm. But unfortunately, we always just focus on the minuses. Right. And, mm. But if we did both the pluses and minuses, then just maybe, we wouldn't be so angry. Mm. We wouldn't be so jealous. We wouldn't put ourselves down and we'd find more joy in life mm. and more happiness because we're able to see the cycles of the pluses and the minuses. Because right. we're taught, right? What goes up goes down and what's at the bottom will grow up or go up. So if we say that, then how come we don't finish the story of the education for folks to say, here's the thing, maybe your minuses will last for five years. Mm. They might last for 10. They might last for one. They might last only a day. And then the plus will show up. Yeah. Right? Because sadly, I, I was joking with a friend last week and I said, unfortunately, we only fix things when they're in the minus. Hmm. Right. We don't think we could make things better when the plus, or we simply don't acknowledge the pluses. Right. Right. So for me, I've started looking. I mean, let me take it back. So years ago, I started thinking of the four pillars hmm. of my structure. And I don't know where it came from. I probably want to give credit to all the wonderful philosophers and people I've listened to and met and read their books. But we all have four core pillars, mm. right? We have our physical body. We have the psychological profile. Mm. We have our emotional base. And then we have the spiritual base. Yes. And if all those four pillars were upright at the same level, you could have a level roof. Hmm. But if they're not, you can't really quite get a roof on the four pillars. If you do, it's going to be a little wonky. 
might be tilt this way. It might tilt that way. It might tilt that way. Right. And so I think we need to begin to look at our lives in different ways mm. so that we can then understand how we individually will walk towards our death yeah. and then how collectively we will all walk towards our death. Mm. And then things, I think, like war and competition would have slightly less power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? First of all, I think that's beautiful. And I love listening to you. I think, you know, the adage, um, Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And it seems to be those pillars, like they've, they've dissected knowledge as siloed areas of practice versus bringing all the knowledge together is wisdom and the experience of that. And for a long time in the business community, when I had my agency, I was trying to bring, like I've given keynote talks, the beauty of humanity in the business community. Cause I really believe there's a verse in the Bible and you know, I come from that Bible narrative framework, but there's a verse in the Bible that says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so Christianity has made it trip typically that tithe to us, give us your money because give your heart to God. But that's only a manipulation of that scripture. The truth is, where is our hearts? Our hearts are where we labor. Our hearts are in the workplace because where our treasure is, where we work, there is where we give our heart to. But sadly, the workplace has also manipulated and coerced that heart. And so we are at this place, I think, right now where we're, we're reclaiming the autonomy and beauty and, and glory of those four pillars that you're talking about. But we're also like, where where do we go? Can I stay in the workplace? Will the workplace change? Religion seems to be a, as a mess as anything, if not more so. Uh, agnosticism doesn't lead to community as much as uh, these social constructs. So I love what you're saying. And, and I think there is a, I use this word revival of the human soul yearning for truth, beauty, goodness, balance. Right. And, and here's the funny thing. While we say all that, many don't practice it mm. because to practice it takes effort. I mean, really a lot of effort. Yes. I mean, I know that. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. And people don't realize, see, when they work, they get paid. So they can see the result. They know roughly what they're going to get. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But soulful wealth can be measured, cannot be seen. It doesn't belong in a fancy house in Bellevue. Right, right. Right? Or Upper East Side, New York, or wherever somebody is living. Yeah. Right? And so you can't see it. And if you can't see it, you ask yourself, is it there? Hmm. Does it matter? And is it valuable? Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Right? Yep. So you, 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 I mean, I think we can easily all mind talk ourselves out of it yeah but 
here's where I think I'll share a couple stories that have reinforced for me what I think is valuable. And it's taken a lot of like pulling myself together to even keep on that path, right? So years ago, I remember being in grade school mm. and I was a good student. I was a geeky student. Most people didn't talk to me. So I'm just going to be honest, right? I didn't have a lot of friends. But when it came to problems, people would always ask me, like help them with their math problems and stuff. Mm. So I would. One day I got tired and I asked my dad, I said, you know, I'm always being asked to help people with their homework. I don't know if I really want to do it. And so he looked at me and he said, listen, when they ask you and you help them, do you realize how much you know? I'm like, yes. And he said, that's it. When you help other people with their homework, you know how much you know and how much you don't know. Mm. I was like, hmm. You know, and I and I have to say, an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid still doesn't understand the depth of that, right? Mm. But sort of the gist I got from my dad was keep helping. So mm. I did. Yeah. And over the years, I mean, we both agree we're helpers. We you know, our givers, right? We, yes. But then that joy of giving manifests itself in many ways, right? So fast forward, I'm in college, junior college, mm -hmm. 16 years old, and I joined a group called Interact Club and got to sit on the board of directors mm -hmm. at 16, right? And we had to adopt three nonprofits or charities. So we adopted a... Um, orphanage, mm. an old folks home, and a facility called um, for the mentally handicapped. Mm -hmm. And the first time I went to that facility, um, there was an army barracks way out in the boonies on our island. And I was at the doorstep just getting in and this woman or person comes running at me and hugs me. And her head was tiny, mm. tiny. Like it could fit in the palm of my hand, wow. tiny, but full grown body. Right. And when she gave me a hug, I have to say the emotions that came up for me was one was I wanted to gag. Hmm. Don't know how, don't know why, but that's like, whoa. And then, you know, the rest of our group went in and we ended up volunteering there for two years, uh, working with all the children. We found out there were 40. They were discarded. Um, because the parents did not want to lose face by showing that they had imperfect children. Mm. So they just dumped them in this facility. The matron uh, was the only one to 40 kids. She fed them. I mean, there was poop on the beds, like whatever she could get around to. So we went every weekend and helped out. So two years. And then uh, about 15 years after that, I'm in grad school. I go back for my graduate research. Mm. And I hooked up with somebody, um, the Admiral Paul, and he said, hey, do you want to go back and see the facility you used to volunteer at? I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. So he said, by the way, they've grown. They've really grown, and there are multiple facilities. So I'm going to take you to all of them. So we went on a tour. We went to the facility that had really been developed and for highly handicapped uh, tools, uh, games, exercise things, the whole thing, right? I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. Then we went to the second facility that was medium. 
The last one for the day is towards the afternoon. And he said, this is the best one. These are the folks who now can manage their lives, blah, blah, blah. And um, you really got to see it. We've got a housing facility on site and some of them have jobs, the whole thing. So we went there and there's a pickup basketball game going on, right? So I was standing on the sidelines watching the game. And lo and behold, out of nowhere, this girl comes running and hugs me. It's the same girl. Wow. Same girl from the first time ever when I was 16. And she grabbed my hand and said, come on, let's go. Wow. So I'm looking, the staff is like, Hush, nobody ever does that. Wow. So go. And she took me down the stairs to the apartment building and showed me her bedroom, her armoire, her mm -hmm. teddy bear, her uniform. She was working at McDonald's. And the point of this story is I volunteered and helped out for two years, not knowing what the future holds. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't help because of I thought that the future would never look good, Mary Jane would never get there. Mm -hmm. right? right? That's my plus sign. Yeah. On my balance sheet. Yeah. Now we've talked about my childhood sexual assault, yeah. my rape, yeah. abuse, yeah. multiple car accidents, all sorts of shit, right? Yeah. But the thing is, I still feel that they happened. I wallowed in it for a while. I sunk to the bottom. Yeah, sure. I did a lot of alcohol when I was young because I didn't know how to deal with the pain. Right. But I'm so blessed. Because somewhere my hospitable bone on the left side must still be a pretty good size. <laughs> that I can still see the fact that there is magic on this earth and that nothing lasts forever. Not the good, not the bad. Mm. And I think we need everyone to understand that. That just because somebody cut you off on the road, you don't pull out a gun and shoot them. Right, right. Because tomorrow's going to be a different day. Yeah. And if you just say, so what, let it go, walk away, like your life would be better. You wouldn't be in jail. Right. Right. Or a lot of other stupid things that people are recently doing. Like the other day, I mean, I saw some guy get on a subway and start hacking away at an older gentleman on the subway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I watched the behavior of about six gentlemen behind. I mean, everybody got up of the train and moved away and this guy got rid of his kid. They were trying to figure it out. But the guy with the blue t-shirt was a younger Asian man who never moved away from that front zone. Like mm -hmm. I, maybe he felt his presence would keep interrupting the guy. And I think it did. Right. Mm -hmm. But it takes a lot of work yeah. to get angry and to damage other people. Yes. Yes. Because the reality, what all of us don't understand is those are seriously damaged people. Yes. And I do not want to join that pile. That's right. That's right. I mean, I may have been hurt. Yeah. But I can, like, we have the intellect. We have the knowledge, the ability, the bone structure, the brain structure, whatever it is, to figure things out. Yeah. Right? And the last story I'm going to tell everyone it's a funny one. It's a funny one. And this one was happened in Italy. And I love the fact that it reminded me of how relaxed other cultures can be. Mm. So there was an older lady, and this was, I think, Torcello, one of the islands. And she, was in a, uh, she wasn't in the wheelchair. She was pushing her husband in the wheelchair. Tiny lady, 
big guy in the wheelchair. And they both kind of parked themselves by the waterfront. Mm. And the thing was, everybody walking by kept saying hello to them, talking to them, and having conversations. And I, my gut sense was it made both their days, right? For her to talk to somebody else yeah. and for a moment forget that she's pushing her husband around. For the husband to have maybe other company besides just her. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happens in their house, right? But like having a moment to converse with someone, mm. whether you know them or not, you can change people's days, lives by just having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I think we are starting to get so absorbed and entitled. We're forgetting the gifts that we have. Mm-hmm. the wealth that we're supposed to share with other people. I don't have to love everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. But that doesn't stop me from smiling on at people on the streets, at total strangers. Yeah. Right. And I've had people do double take, triple take, like what the hell, you yeah. know, but then I have other people like nod their head and go, yeah, you know, this is good. Right. And, So I think the conversation that we're having is about the truth of humanity. Yes, yes. And the truth is we've never owned our humanity. Mm. I've read all the books through history and we keep playing a game. That's the saddest part Mm. is for hundreds of years, we keep playing the same game over and over and over again. Mm. And when we take history away from our classrooms the game just keeps on repeating right right it's so i'll stop there for a moment it's so good you're saying that i'll tell a story so four years ago i was or five years ago and, and and then four years it was about a five month engagement i was hired to be a keynote speaker the TV host and MC of these global elites that chartered a private cruise ship in China and Japan. And I, and every big name person in the world was on, I mean, see, I mean, it was loaded. And I, I'm like, God, why me? Like, how did I get chosen? (laughs) Like the, the, the amount of famous people too on this thing was just, I'm mind blowing. And I heard very clearly these words, tell them about the beauty of humanity. And I was like, the beauty of humanity. And it was like, I mean, I can feel it right now as if I was sitting in my chair. It was, tell them about the beauty of humanity. Tell them about the beauty of humanity. I'm like, the beauty of humanity. I've never strung those words together before. And I'm not saying these people, but I will say, because you're saying that we are playing a game and I think the elites of this world, even though they're not elite, but these very select power hungry people are playing a game as well. And they're playing a game, only al- they're only allowed to play a game because we're playing a game. But the minute we stop playing a game with our humanity, they can't play their game anymore. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you saw the show Squid Games, um, but if Squid Games so. is on Netflix and it's gruesome and bizarre, but it's a true, it's the, the Squid Games really happens. Everyone, this is a real, real things that happen. 
um, because people need money and the elites offer money, but they have to play these games. And it's like the death, they, they hunt these people. It's just horrible things happen. But it's a also an allegory. It's a teaching moment for they the people that needed the money didn't have to go play that game. But if they played that game, right. they die. And I think that's what we're saying. We're, we keep playing this game by invitation to war and trauma and all the things. And the minute we say, I don't want to play that game anymore. Their game stops because no one's there to play in their game. And our game stops because we start to discover who we are outside of the game that's been we've been yep. invited to that isn't our own. I think that's really when I say like revival of humanity, that's that's exactly we're we're waking up to no longer having to play the game. Right. And and playing the game doesn't not playing the game doesn't mean we become unethical or right. we become whatever. Right. Right. Like well, the instance I think I want to call out is um, some folks in the younger generation think it's okay to pull some funny games on people who have companies and businesses and mess them up. Like one of the things was um, the Starbucks. Oh, I show up 30 minutes late so I can get my drink free. Or I'm a waitress at a large restaurant or a waiter and I place a big order and nobody shows up to pick it up and then we all get to eat the food. Mm. And then in the same breath, I ask, so when that small restaurant goes out of business and you're out of a job, they're the skank. Because if you keep doing this, and one guy actually wrote in and he said, um, whenever people call for large parties, I always tell them we're booked. So, you know, that restaurant is out of table bookings because somebody just decided they don't want to work. So there's that funny mix, right? That That being alive and waking up and being honest and truthful with the dreams we want to fulfill mm. is one thing. Yeah. But if you think only your dreams matter and then you do this shit to other people, right. that's not okay too, right? And that's where, like, how do we flatten out, unpack mm. how a real soul-fulfilled ethical life with integrity looks like? Like, do we have a model? I don't think we do. Because look around you, all the models that we have right now are power hungry, profit hungry, yeah, backstabbing leaders. Yeah, right. And then we have influencers who are daring people to do a lot of stupid things right. where young people are dying or at eight years old, they're trying to cut, hijack a car. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, so to me, the revival is happening in very small pockets. Yes. It's almost like the revival of like these lighthouses all over. Like, you're a lighthouse. I'm a lighthouse. Maybe the revival is just the lighthouses. I know in the Hopi religion, who the Navajo considered the ancient ones, and I, I read through their texts, it's, they have like a Bible style text that's preserved it's amazing and they talk about the 144,000 rainbow warriors that will come i know the bible talks about 144,000 that love god maybe it's not a mass amount of people but the revival is happening but it's not in the masses it's in the few and maybe it's just 
enough in the few that people feel courage to say, okay, I no longer have to play this game. I think if, for instance, like 2020 was a big defining moment for everyone. But for me, it was massive. It wasn't for the pandemic. I wasn't afraid of the pandemic. That wasn't ever an issue for me. It was, well, I do something that I don't want to do. <clears throat> and I think, and I didn't, and I'm very proud of myself. And I, you know, had to deal with all the repercussions of all these things, but I was proud that I learned autonomy in that moment to say, cause I, you know, like me, like you, I had a traumatic, I, I never could say no. I was beat, I was all, there was no space for me to say no. And finally this pressure came and I said, kindly, no. In that, for whatever reason, it woke me up to like, wow, if we could get more people to just say no to the coercion, the pressure, the influence, whatever it is, and not making anyone wrong, because that's not what I ever want to do. Right. But just be an invitation for them to come out of that pressure or the... So I guess what I'm saying is you're right. It's not a mass amount of people, but the revival is in very powerful, specific lighthouses. I see you as a lighthouse and I'm a lighthouse and all these lighthouses are all of a sudden shining light. And people are like, been in the dark looking around like, oh, this is unsafe. <laughs> you know? No, you're right. You're right. I mean, I did a, a, a presentation at Microsoft recently, right, on collaboration and teamwork. Hmm. And my message at the beginning was, hey, it's all about humans and communications. And I finished it with, at the end of the day, it's about us as humans. It's all the little things that we can do in terms of our communications that make for good collaboration and teamwork. It's being present and looking and listening, right? And not holding this. I mean, I had a lady two days in a row by my yoga class she comes out, she walks literally into my car. Wow. I'm parked. Walks and then goes. Two days later, exact same thing, this time sideways. And I thought the third time I see her, I'm actually going to go up and grab the phone out of her and say, <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself one of these days. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, you're going to have a flat nose, like get smart or something. But look, I think using the word human and humanity mm. and reminding people that tables can't talk to each other. Ovens cannot talk to each other, right? All the innate things that we have in this world are not the things we get mad at and are not the things we get joy from. The memories we make in our brains are the heartfelt moments we had with somebody else. Right. And the most pain that we hold in our heart is what somebody did to us as we perceive it to be. Yeah. Right. And I say perceive it to be because sometimes that person did not mean to hurt us, but because we are wherever we're at, we think they were hurting us. Yes. Yes. Right. And you know, so all these things, if you look back, I'm going to say we've had very few, few true leaders 
who have focused on the education and the development of the human race. Mm, yeah. Because if they had, if we truly had the vision of the greatness of humanity and the rising of the masses at a certain level, we would redesign our education system. Yes, we would. Yes, we would. Yes, we would. What we teach to kids in kindergarten and in grade school would completely change. Yes. And then we wouldn't have racism. We wouldn't have gender bias. Yes, yes. Because all those come from the lack of education. Mm. This core thing called education is not just what you study to get grades it's knowledge yes yes and knowledge in its transparency is simply knowing things and how to do things and how to think and feel hmm. yeah right yeah yeah because you know i'll tell you one of the weird things i've always thought about and have, haven't stopped thinking this thing that i've been told over and over again dolores we're guys, we, we don't emote like that. You know, this is facts, this is business. Mm. And I'm like, really? So, emotion has nothing to do with the CEO being at the top. So, emotion has nothing with let's go kill a nation. Mm. So, like somebody's going to tell me that Putin has no emotion whatsoever about what the attack on Ukraine. Mm. I think it's all emotional. Yep. <laughs> yes. I think it's all emotion, yes. right? Yes. So how dare, how dare some idiot guy somewhere along the way told all the guys, you really don't emote. Yeah. Well, pretend all of our emotions are something else, yes. right? And you're going to be deprived. Yes. Yes. And then to women, you're all emotion. And so you do this. But, you know, guess what? Like women didn't run around doing wars and we were emotional. Yeah. So all I'm saying is this bill of goods that we've been sold for so long around words and things that very few of us even structure, like some guys in the closets and some churches and temples and uh, synagogues created all this and then they handed it down to the masses because yeah. they were all sitting isolated. Like, does somebody not question that? Right. 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 And then over the years, we just keep perpetuating the same myth. Like, for example, like I ask myself and say, now, if all low income environments were given knowledge around savings, mm. how to save money. And I'll tell you why this got triggered. I was in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago and I ended up talking to a waiter in a Japanese restaurant, Alfonso, if he's listening, right? Young person of color. And he said, no, we, we don't get that kind of information dolores no nobody talks about saving money so i said how do you build wealth then hmm. right if you don't know that you should save maybe five percent ten percent of your money then someday you're going to wake up and you're going to be broke because you keep spending everything you have right. right i got my first savings passbook when i was six years old hmm. my parents both talked about savings of course, I did was a spendy little kid. I spent a lot of money, but dude, it sunk in somewhere along the way. I have been saving, right? right? So we, you you think about all those little things that matter, right? Is savings the privilege of rich people? 
I think it should be the privilege of all people, especially low-income people. Yes, yes. So they can change the next generation, right? And we don't. We don't teach economics until you either take it as an elective in college or maybe somewhere along. The Math is useless. It's not like it's, you can add one plus one gives you two. But if you know supply and demand, and if you put $100 in the bank today and it multiplies to $1,000 in three years and so on and so forth, you're going to go, oh, my God, maybe I should do something differently. Yes, yes. So when we circle back, humanity and money are just an exchange, right, that we use. I yep. could have used shells. I could have used bricks. But now I got coins and paper. Yep. It doesn't matter. Because I can't give you all my fruit from my garden for free. Dude, I paid for the water. I paid for the fertilizer. I bought the seeds, whatever. Yep. Right? I got to get something in return. And so supply and demand. I get all that. But when it becomes artificially constrained and controlled and zoned, meaning it sits in small zoned pockets of yep. wealth, then the world is becoming poorer even though it's richer yeah that's right right and it's depleting people's souls so we come right back to the soul of the humanity is being filled with buy a subscription to this buy your next phone in two years buy your next laptop in two years buy this buy that right, right. you don't have to get out of the chair you can just call uber to go pick up your lunch for you so give all your money away to Uber drivers to go do all the shit work for you because you just don't want to get out of your chair. Right. Right. I don't know how much that model, everybody in the world is going to be mad at me at Lyft and Uber, but I don't know how much improvement they've done for the world. The guys who founded those companies certainly got rich. Yep. Yep. But we've got more pollution because we've got more drivers running around hoping for all the lazy people to use them. Right. So I think we have models of business that are not foresighted enough to think about humanity. We've got schools that are not thinking about humanity. We've got politicians not thinking about humanity. So the sad part is the dropouts and the people who are willing to look at life don't want to be in the foray of those kind of environments. Right. I know people who would make great governors, great leaders. They don't because the media will crucify them. Right, right. Right, so there's so many things happening that maybe didn't happen 100 years ago or 200 years ago, and we need a good reality check. We need a holistic rearranging and redesign of so many structures. Yeah. And I feel like it's happening. It's happening, though, it won't, you know, the, the, the old saying, um, the revolution won't be televised. I think there is a revolution happening, and I'm using that word very specifically. Um, the media, and again, in the Hopi religion, media, I think I was telling you about this, media or media, however they say it, is the like satanic deity in the Hopi religion. And if you look at the word media, say me as an I, ego, Dia as in God, the my God, the ego God, and this frequency that gets broadcast, they broadcast, they, they, they are broadcasters casting spells, a frequency in the air that, I mean, the CIA just declassified documents all um, the past 
10 years, all the declassified documents of the FBI and CIA are just truly amazing, proving that we're hijacking people's brains through television. I mean, this is like a mind control apparatus and they were intentionally steering people one way or the other. So we have had these broadcasts. They teach us spelling. What is a spell? Who spells? Which is spell? And you cast the spell, you broadcast the spell and they use these words. And, and this is true language. They know what they're doing. This frequency of media, the ego God, the narcissism, the materialism, the lack, the scarcity, the fear, every commercial. And then they'll give these pharmaceutical commercials that are absolutely like, I, I, I swear these people are just waiting till humanity goes, this is fucking nuts. Like, yep. you know, they do these commercials like pleasant imagery and a nice voiceover while they're saying, you, you could die from this, 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 this. It's, it's a 60 second commercial of how you could die fear they're selling you fear always and so the revival or the revolution's not being televised there are so many people waking up to the reality there's a massive movement of farming people are going to farming and back to farmers markets and going uh raw milk i mean people are like you're, the government says raw milk is poisonous but and then they list all the chemicals blue 42 red to this all these this is healthy even europe craft foods sells same packaging different ingredients in europe because europe bans what the united states consumes and so there's this massive revolution of people waking up and rejecting the system the media though will not televise it because they will lose the minute they and I yes and, the, and i will it's say the money it's the money and it's I, the paper god you know, Donald Trump is a polarizing name. You say that name and it polarizes. But the best thing that he could have said was fake news. Because he is, the spell had to be broken one way or the another. I I'm I come from the news. I have, one of my good friends is the Good Morning America anchor. We are in a market together. He's been on this podcast. I know all the people. It's not like these people are, are road scholars. These are just people that know how to read scripts really well, but because they say it and they're delivering a product and an agenda with that way they write it. For instance, like if I say a woman comes home to a woman comes home home and finds her husband dead on the ground, find out what she saw that could save your life tonight at five. If I was benevolent, I would just tell you right there. A woman comes home and found this and you need to be aware for this, but they don't tell you right there. Because their whole job is to monetize the eyeball and it's all about the money. You said it. Yeah. So I think the revolution is happening. Like there was a million people that even the police officers in Paris, France aligned with the people like the, the humans are rising. It's just the apparatus is yet to broadcast. It's almost like 1984 or any of those dystopian books. It's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, there is, look, I grow, I have what, 17 fruit trees in my backyard, mm. right? I harvested 30 pounds of blueberries, cleaned them all up, froze them. Amazing. I'm going to make some jams. I got my peaches. I got my apples. I got my Japanese pears mm. and, oh, and jasta berries and gooseberries, right? 
and my goal next year is to build a greenhouse and plant some uh, vegetables. Amazing. And Your the reason being is, yes. folks, I will tell you, after the car accidents, I was on multiple drugs and surgeries. I started getting all sorts of weird things happening to me. My mind was in a fog. That's one thing. Bruising all over my body. I have been completely medical drug free for now 14 months and almost all the symptoms are gone. My mind is the clearest it's ever been in since the last, since 2018 when the accident happened, right? And I can tell the night and day difference. And not only on top of that, but all the surgery, anesthetics, the drugs they gave me, the topical eating drugs, the cream drugs, they all add up. Mm. And we are walking zombies. Yes. Yes. They have Tylenol residues now found in fish. Yeah. They have oxycodone residues in there. And people say, why are young people so depressed? And I think because the youngest generation is more contaminated than yes. seven generations ago because of the number of pills yes. they want. They want all old people to think you're going to fucking die if you don't eat all these drugs. Well, you're going to die anyway. Right. Ask yourself quality of life. Right. right. And sometimes what did I find out? Diabetes, high blood pressure and cholesterol are the three highest grossing pills and medications for the farms. They don't want anybody cured. Right. And Mark Plotkin, who wrote the book, The Shaman's Apprentice, mm -hmm. I went to one of his lectures years ago, said there's a simple cure for diabetes. People in South America don't have it. Mm. and he's been shut out so you're absolutely right there are people and i'm hoping the force will gather yes and that will rise up yes but we have to keep doing these things and our presentations not because you and i need money or want money no. because we know we have to do god's work to help all the other people realize there's hope right yes and the hope comes from each one of us believing that you should have the best I will have the best and you will have the best. Yes, that's right. And there's abundance that there isn't. If you have the best, well, I can't have the best. We all ha can have the best. It's whatever you want, right? Do you remember when um, Da Vinci mm -hmm. and all the poets like Byron and Shelley and Wordsworth, they weren't loaded in money and they weren't rolling in dough. They would step, live in each other's houses, draw and all of that. And those folks, with the poorest and the poorest, and they gave us the best art yeah. of humanity. Yes. Because they were free to create. There's so many artists out there that can't. Right. Right, right. now. And they feel they have to have a second job, third job, whatever it is. And then we want all the kids to get out of our houses at 18 because we shouldn't support you past 18, right? In the American mentality. Yeah. And so there are a lot of things we need to fix, but the biggest thing. The biggest thing, I think, is we need to think. Hmm. And join the dots. Yeah. We're not willing to think for ourselves. And we're waiting for mommy and daddy. Actually, we're waiting for daddy in power to yeah. make the decisions for us. Yeah. And that's where I think we've given the power up. I had a quote. I agree with you 100%. I had a quote that I wrote on Instagram. I put a lot of content on Instagram. I said the government did a... Uh, the government did such a good job at gaslighting humanity that people started thinking Big Brother was part of their family. Right. 
They started loving their brother like it was a family member. It's like, this is crazy. That's and they're not. Exactly. And we're, what I love, I love these conversations and I love talking to you always because we, <laughs> we, there's no, and I, there's no, being right doesn't matter to me at all. I, I am, I have held two opposing ideas and believed them both at the same time. And I'm like, it's fun to me. It becomes fun to read the satanic Bible next to the King James Bible, next to uh, the autobiography of a yogi, next to the Bhagavad Gita, next to all the safers of Judaism. Like it's fun to me. It's like, wow, what else is there? No, people think that. And well, I want to learn what they think because I want to be friends with them. And I want to love them. And I want to sit with them and look at it, not opposed to them and say, well, and I want more people to have these because it, it's glorious. It's creation. What you and I are doing right now is creation. And it's, it's like, absolutely. This is great. Like to commune is to communicate. Yes. Right. Yes. And the fact that if we can all do that, mm. right or wrong, we shouldn't worry. Because if we have a dialogue in the front, you can get mad at me and I'm okay with that. But it's highly improbable that you will because I'm doing it in front of you. It's when I do it behind you mm. that I think rises the temperature. Yeah. You know, if, if I told you, look, I really don't appreciate this and I don't want to do this. Yeah. So if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Or I'll agree to disagree with you if we right. still want to do this design. We yeah. still want to push this ad campaign out. Yeah. I, I just can't give you my yes but I'll let you do it. Boom. You know exactly where I stand, mm. right? And I think, you know, there's so many things to do, but at the end of the day, I think as we close into, you know, wrapping up, the best thing I think we can tell everyone is look around you. Mm. Build your balance sheet. Look at all the high moments you've had. Mm before you get mad at the world and God, and most of all, at yourself. Because until you do the balance sheet, you don't know where you've been, where you've come from, and where you can go. But if you begin to look at that spreadsheet mindfully, you can go, wow, okay. So what can I do to shift this? So good, so good. It will happen. So good. You're amazing. Right? I love you. And I'm so thankful. I love you too. This is amazing. We, before we close, can you just talk about your PhD and like what your, your journey I think is so beautiful. And could you share a little bit more about that before we wrap? Sure. So, um, it all started, this is funny story, me and my dad again at 14. So we're talking about school because he said, um, he gave me some ultimatums. He said, this is how it works. As long as you get good grades in school, I'll keep paying for it. Hmm. You get bad grades, kids, you're on your own. You pay your own way to school. And I'm going, what? <laughs> and then he's like, what do you want to do? I said, I, I want a PhD. And he's like, what? I said, I don't know. Something to do with population hmm. at 14, right? So over the years, you know, I've gone to UW, got my undergraduate work. Then I went to Antioch, got my master's. Hmm. And I'm traveling around and I'm thinking, going, I really want to do my PhD. So I have some friends in the UK and we started the journey there. And I had to drop out because my mom got sick. And then I was 
volunteering in, I think it was Nepal, Nepal, after the earthquake. Came back, was working at T-Mobile. There was, you know, this career HR thing going on and there's a girl going, so have you thought about doing your PhD? And I'm like, hmm, I, I did, I dropped out, do it again? Hmm, I don't know. So I signed up and so I'm doing my PhD in strategy and transformation, transformational strategy is the better word. Chapman University is where I started out. And my PhD is around leadership and trust. Mm, so good. So good. Yeah. And trust is, again, one of those humanity things that's intangible. And, you know, as I'm going through the journey over the last few years and just writing my PhD dissertation, putting it on hold because of the surgeries and stuff, I've gotten this awoke moment this year going, I think it's the trust that's eroded that's causing a lot of the anger mm. because you know when we appointed daddy to be part of our family it was based on trust yes yeah. whichever daddy it happens to be whether it's in the uk uganda Af whatever china or here we think we are appointing and voting for someone who's our best friend who's going to take care of us because that's what they sell us in the campaigns. Right. And then that full glass of trust that we gave them gets eroded and eroded awfully fast. And so I'm fascinated with how does leadership manipulate us to build that trust? And where does it erode? And I will also tell you something I learned. And I think he would be okay with this. So the CEO of T-Mobile, one day and I, he was, that was before he was the CEO. Awesome gentleman, Mike. And I asked him for some advice on my PhD. And he said, sure, make an appointment. We'll hang out. We'll chat. So we did. And he said, Dolores, I'm going to help you know something really clearly. He said, I can buy trust. Wow. My ears just grew. And he said, listen, Mr. Ledger, John Ledger was the CEO at that time. He said, he and I have all the resources we need to make what we say come true so we can get your trust. And well, he said, we're at the top. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He said, we're at the top. And he was talking, you know, we were talking this conversation about my PhD and all of that. Yeah. And I went, holy crap. Wow. He's absolutely right. So... I mean, you wouldn't have thought that somebody at his level, I mean, that was a deep thought that he shared with me and so honest, right? I love Mike Siebert. Like mm. I've written some amazing emails to him and some probably not very nice ones. And he's always replied. And that's when you see the grace of people. Yeah. And he even asked me a pertinent question and asked me what I thought of Mr. Ledger. And I'll say this because I said it to his face. So I said, you know, I think the guy was a serious asshole years ago. But mm -hmm. I said, somehow the ledger who showed up at T-Mobile was an amazing leader who got people and realized that he had to take them with him. Yeah. The way he treated us was way different than when I heard of a friend who used to work for him 20 years prior and how they got treated. Mm -hmm. So you see... People can grow and people can change. Yes, yes.
and there is capacity of those freaking amazing leaders to go there. But they are not everyday leaders. Right. And so coming back to me, my PhD is really about hoping that as I grow and learn, I can help bring some more change down the world because I don't want to think that my life is about me. I like to think my life is about this place called Earth. Mm. And can I leave a better footprint than when I started out? You're amazing. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. My pleasure. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And to everyone out there, you have one life you're conscious of. Use it to make yourself happy and live a truthful life that is full of giving and joy. Because when the day of death comes, you want no regrets. Thank you. And on that, we end. Thank you. Well, everyone, thank you for joining and tuning in. And Dolores, thanks again for the beautiful conversation. I love you. And everyone, if I'm going to put Dolores' LinkedIn profile in the show notes, please go find her, follow her, connect with her, give her a note of what impacted and landed with you during the show. And as always, like, subscribe, share this podcast out. We are on a mission to see humanity heal and rise in consciousness, to walk in the love that is waiting for us all, because this is the time. It is our choice in the 3D realm, which we have left and moving into the higher dimensions. It is our choice to choose. Will we choose love or will we choose fear? Will we choose unconditional love or judgment? And it all begins within us. So I love you all, dear brother and sister. Thank you for joining. I am Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution, and I look forward to talking with you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com.